God. Thank you, God. And I thank you for the joy, the joy that you are, which is the joy that we carry. Thank you, Father. Amen.
you give your neighbour a high five as you take your seat this morning. Great to see you. I am free. Who enjoys that song? It's good. Do you know when we come to church? We come to church to worship God, don't we? Don't we, church? Oh, your enthusiasm is good this morning. You've got to talk with me. So I want to really encourage you as we worship God, as we praise Him this morning, let's be people that don't sit back in our seat, but are right on the front edge, praising, worshiping, giving our very best to God because He wants it, He desires it, and He deserves it. So it's going to be good, amen? So you're there this morning? Okay, well, let's sing that song one more time. Let's rise to our feet and let's really press into God. And I will give you praise with everything I am. it is to be in your house this morning to praise you, to worship you, to exalt your name. Lord, there's no one like you. There is absolutely no one like you who loves us, who accepts us, who cares for us, who is absolutely for us. You're not mad at us, you're mad about us. And we thank you for that this morning. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Great to see you. Take your seats. We'll give you a very warm welcome this morning. If this is your first or second time to Activate Church, welcome. It's wonderful to have you with us. As you leave the auditorium this morning, as you go through the doors, on your right-hand side, you'll see a white pack in there. Feel free to take that. It's a visitor's pack with um, a coffee card and some food and some other details where you can learn more about the church. And we ask you to fill in a form so you, we can learn more about you. So that would be very, very cool. Children, if you're here this morning, Gems would love to give you some handouts. There's some um, crowns and felt pens and all that sort of thing. Once you've got your worksheet and pens and bits and pieces, go back to mum and dad and uh, enjoy colouring that in with them. That would be great. Well, mums and dads can listen to the wonderful message that Pastor Sheridan's going to preach. You're in for a real treat this morning, church. A real treat. So be ready for that. So that's awesome. Well, guess what's happening next weekend? Mother's Day. Well, that was very enthusiastic. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. And we're having a combined gathering. It is at 10 a.m. Turn to your neighbour and say 10 a.m. We don't want to see you at 9 nor 10.30, but at 10 a.m. So that would be great. Men's breakfast this coming Saturday, 7 a.m. Really encourage you dads, if you had teenage sons, to bring them along. We're going to be up for a wonderful time. And it's um, a very important message, what's going to be shared. So I really encourage you to be there, men. It's going to be very, very good. Faith commitment cards. If you have a look in the seat pocket in front of you, you will see a faith commitment card like this. 
This is a great card. This is a card where we connect with our global missions initiatives all around the world, well, particularly in Asia and Europe. And can I encourage you that if you're part of Activate Church, then this card is for you. It's for everyone who calls Activate Church their home. And we want to encourage people to give, to sow, to invest into what's happening in global missions. Whether it's $5 a week or $500 a week, it doesn't really matter. But we need to be sowing together that everyone is part of this. So why don't you turn to your neighbour and say, I'm part of this thing. You can do better than that, church. I'm part of global missions. Isn't that good? Very, very exciting. So there's a couple of other cards I want to bring to your attention. This one here, you'd see on your seat this morning. If you can take the opportunity to fill that in and write a note specifically to a missionary, I'd like you to write one to Kay Fleckling this morning. We have a person who's going to be taking these cards over to Europe. Part of these cards, or some of these cards will be going to the Burtons and some of them going to Kay. Now, it's fantastic, but there's been truckloads of cards given to the burdens, written for the burdens. So when the burdens get theirs, they're going to look, look at all our cards. And Kay's going to go, I've only got three. So I want her to be able to say, I've got truckloads. So can you please take the opportunity to fill in those cards today for Kay? That would be fantastic. And also there is a, um, a card here, very colourful. encourage you to read that, further details on the back of that. So that is awesome. Well, guess what that we have happening through the service this morning, church? It is Activate DNA through the gathering. Thank you. Did I, did I say the S word? I didn't, did I? I did. Oh, my word. I didn't even know I said it, but there we go. So during this, the gathering today, we'll be having Activate DNA. I almost did it again. Um, so can I really encourage you, if you're new to the life of Activate Church and want to find out more about how things work and happen in the life of Activate, then I really encourage you to join me very shortly. I'll be meeting with you out in the foyer. We'll be going up some upstairs. There's some lovely little munchies to eat as we look through the life of the church. So isn't that awesome? Fantastic. Well, it's my pleasure to invite, before we do that, we're going to have some birthdays and anniversaries. Well, you almost thought you are going to miss out there, didn't you? I always thought we are going to as well. So who's had a birthday or wedding anniversary of the last week? Wow, congratulations. Come out, Ellen. So there's a birthday. Well, come on out. Fantastic. Geneva and Mabel. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, Colin, how many years? How many years for you guys? 51. 51. So let's put our, let's put our hands together. Birthday, right? 17 years. 17 years today for Blair and Joe. Wow. Well, church, I think we've got to stand for this. Let's pray this prayer of blessing over them. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you guys. Wonderful. 51 years. That's awesome. Wow, congratulations. Fantastic. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Sally. She's going to come and talk about missions. Let's give her a hand as she comes. 
Nicole. Yep, I'm Sally and I've been at Activate, Activate Church in Hamilton for 12 years and I'm on the missions team for 11. Yay. So I'm a teacher and one of the things I've taught my kids is the silent beanbag. So you have to have your eyes focused on me um, because the beanbag's going to get thrown around but you have to keep your eyes on the beanbag in case it gets thrown near you. You might need to look at that person. So if you'd said to me 14 years ago, Sally, you're going to be standing in front of a big church talking about prayer groups, I would have said, no way, I'm not old enough, and prayer groups are boring. They're not. I'm converted. I um, attend one prayer group, and I also host another prayer group. So I'm young, and I'm exciting. And... Um, through these prayer groups and I'm able to build relationships with not just the people we're praying for but the people in the prayer group. It increases my faith and hope. It gives me stories to share because every week there's stories, exciting miracles to share. And God uses me. He gives me pictures and the person beside me might have the words and they're sharing the words and I'm thinking, hang on a sec, that's what I'm seeing. And so I'm blessed through that. So, because I have a relationship through attending prayer groups, I got to go to China last year, and um, that was really exciting. Then the next slide, we've got Grant and Colin and Julie and Mike. So Colin and Julie, they um, host, uh, are the contact people for our um, Grant and Vicky McAllister who are in Hong Kong, their prayer group, and it meets every second Monday of the month. Um, about six weeks ago, we were Skyping Grant, and he said they really needed a place to stay in Hong Kong. They had a certain period that they needed a place. They were staying in like a backpackers. It was costing them three times the price of an apartment, and it was only one little room. So we prayed that night. Three o'clock the next morning, we got an email that had a phone call from somebody that they'd had contact with quite some time ago. The wife uh, quilts. Their apartment is too small for her to do a quilting, so she has another apartment that she does her quilting at that is free if they would like to stay there for free for the period of time that they needed, and uh, as long as they didn't mind her coming and going. Just like that. From one night to 3 a.m. the next morning, our prayers were answered. I don't think Colin and Julie are here. Are they here? No, but I know Mike is. Where are you, Mike? So that's Mike. Eyes on Mike. So he's the guy on the there, and he he is the contact person for our Belgian prayer groups for Kay Fickling and um, the Burtons, Andy and Karen, and it meets every second Wednesday of the month. And he's the person you need to talk to. I uh, host and am the contact person for Christine and Andy Harding. Um, this is a selfie on the way to the airport. Christine leads the OMF Southeast Asia. And um, middle of last year, Christine had a family member who um, had been to the doctor, had some tests done, and it looked like they had lung cancer. They decided they would get a second opinion. They went and had those tests done, and the lungs and everything were absolutely clear. I know that because I'm at the prayer group. We got to pray for it. We hear about it, pray for it, and we see the results. That's exciting. 
We have Peter and Well Martin. This is them arriving in Auckland Airport earlier this year. They serve in Thailand. Their prayer group meets on a second Monday of the month. And Graham Fullerton, who if you ever come to the nine o'clock service, he's usually sitting right at the back. And uh, that's the house church meeting a couple of weeks ago in Nongping village. And we have a youth team going to Thailand in April. Anybody here in the youth team going to Thailand? Yep. So if you go along to this prayer group, you'll hear about the villages that they're going to go, be going to and, and hear about the stories and things that they're going to be able to impact in. Then we have Rob and Ria Gimerick. They serve in Indonesia. Their meeting is on the third Monday of the month. And we have Mike Artinian as our contact. And uh, 12 years ago, my second Sunday at this church, I remember a guy coming up. It was about the 29th of December. He came up the front and he said how the prayer group had been meeting in, earlier in December and somebody had a picture or words about a rumbling and they prayed about it. They prayed about the safety of the, the Christians that they were working with um, in Indonesia. On Boxing Day was the tsunami. The Christians that Rob and Rhea work with, the people, they all got to high ground and they were safe. I got to hear about the story, the prayer that went in before, and God's graciousness and the good results at the end. We have Sheila and Dave Chater. Um, they serve in China, and our Gloria and Pete aren't here with us today, but they host that prayer group. Anna and Nam were here last week. They uh, live in Vietnam, but they serve throughout Asia and Africa. It, I was sitting at the back and I felt really convicted that we needed a prayer group for them. So I've been praying about it. I emailed all our missionaries last night and I asked them to pray about it too. Didn't say which prayer group, but I just had it on my heart. And I shared in this nine o'clock service. I've had a couple come up to me and offer to host it and another person wanting to be willing a part of it. If your heart is pumping and you want to be a part of hearing fabulous stories, then, then we'll need more people to join us in that prayer meeting. So that's really exciting. So I'm just going to close now in prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for um, stirring people's hearts this morning and sending that couple to me and another person to join me in um, starting up a prayer meeting for Anna and Nam. We know that you uh, not only uh, listen to our prayers and answer them, that you bless us in the process. We thank you for Activate and the heart that um, the Activate Church has in global missions. Amen. Great. Isn't that wonderful? Tremendous stuff. Excellent. Well, for those that are joining me with Activate DNA, this is our opportunity to go now upstairs. So I'll meet you in the foyer and we look forward to having a wonderful time. So if you're new to life at Activate Church, want to find more about how the church works, then come and join me now. And it's my pleasure to invite Moira to come as she shares around communion. Let's give her a hand as she comes. Isn't it wonderful to hear what God's doing around the world? When I think of communion, um, I think back to the first sparks of curiosity that I had about Christianity. 
A friend of mine had become what um, I fondly referred to as a Jesus freak and started talking about this Jesus as if he was a person. It troubled me somewhat for them and I remember saying to them, you know, I've seen this guy in the movie Jesus Christ Superstar and he was pretty cool, but I think you're taking this to a whole other level. And they were. And speaking with them sparked such a curiosity that I decided to go back to the Presbyterian Church that I had attended with my family as a child. We only went intermittently for Easter and harvest festivals. And funnily enough, we always went to Communion Sundays. Communion there was really formal. It was very reverent. Children were not allowed to partake until they were an age where they could learn and understand the significance of this act. And it created a deep respect in me when I saw people take communion. Well, we stopped going to church about the time I was probably 10 years old, so I'd never taken communion at all. And when I went back there, now that I was looking for some answers, I was 17. I still didn't take communion because I really wasn't sure if this Jesus stuff was real, and I didn't want to be a hypocrite. So my limited contact with church had not left me with a very healthy impression of God or an understanding even of him. So when I went back this time, you can imagine I was actually quite surprised that the message genuinely touched my heart. The minister said in his message, do you know God is only one step away? No matter how far you feel you are from God, he only asks that you take one step and he will meet you where you are. That news changed my mind, my world actually. Could it be true that God wanted to meet me where I was at and all I had to do was take one step. In truth, I felt a million miles away from God. But this guy was saying, if I just took one step, he would cover the other 999,999 reasons that I'd placed between me and God. Could he care that much about me? I mean, he must be busy doing God stuff. I couldn't get my head around the fact that he cared enough about me to do that. Well, that knowledge of his personal love cracked open my heart. And not long after that, I took that one step and said, yes, God, I need you. And I accept you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Saviour. In all my ignorance and in all my confusion, he met me where I was at. And there's been many more steps I've had to take in my journey. Steps after failure, steps after hurt, steps after disappointment, steps when my pride has taken a fall. And all those things have tried to separate me from my Heavenly Father. 
but communion always grounds me. When I remember his body and blood was sacrificed for me once and for all, and that he's willing and so wanting to have relationship with us, that he meets us where we are at. And that's what I remember every time I take communion. Let's pray. Father, as we eat today and drink today together in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice, help us to examine our hearts. Is there anything separating us? Are there any steps we need to take today to come closer to you? Thank you for reaching out to us in your mercy and grace. May we never take it for granted, but remember what it cost you to commune with us, to meet with us where we are at. Amen. stand together and continue in our worship.
you, God, that you're always moving. Thank you, Father, that you don't stand still. We step into your plans. We step into your healing today. We believe, we believe that where you are, there is healing. Where you are, miracles flow. Thank you, Father, that you're moving.
encourage you this morning, why don't you lift your hands before Jesus and open your hearts, open your minds. Let heaven come. with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today our daily bread. And forgive our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The prayer Jesus taught us to pray. Powerful. Even if that was the King James Version, it's still the one I remember. Funny, eh? Well, you're doing all right? Great, great. Why don't you take a seat? Thanks, team. That was awesome. Well, kids, children, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to count the number of times I say pray or prayer this morning. And come and give myself or Jim's the answer at the end. And there'll be some chocolate in it for you. Sound all right? Very good. Beth, are you still here? You were here? Might have gone, might have gone. No, I think she's gone. Just let me drop this in there quickly because we were going to um, let you know, but it slipped. Um, Community Link, which is a great, great ministry of the church. They are... They've been accepted by, what's it called? Something in the hood. Have you got it there? What is it? Good in the hood, which is the Z, petrol stations, way of funding community, um, things that are good for the community. So what we need you to do, thank you. I only just found out about this. So um, What we need you to do is go to the Z service station down at Five Crossroads and buy your petrol there for the next month and buy your pies there for the next month and your ice blocks, and they will give you a token, and you can put your token in the community link jar, and the more that you put in there, I think you, you get the vote by putting it in there, don't you? So the more that we get in there, the more money they're going to give us to bless our community. That's cool, eh? So do that. That'll be awesome. Great. Um, one other thing I want to tell you about is uh, Shane Willard. 
a friend of mine. He's um, going to be here in a couple of weeks. And Shane is quite a provoking speaker. You probably won't agree with everything he says. That's all right, but he will make you think. But one thing I've got happening on the Saturday, he's going to be here on Sunday, but on the Saturday, if you are a senior at high school, you are at university, young professional, or anybody else, but it's going to be aimed at seniors in high school and varsity students, we've got Shane going to be with us on the Saturday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., and there are incredible statistics in our country of people who walk away from their faith early in varsity. It's terrible statistics. And Shane is going to spend that day giving us answers and teaching us how to answer when your professor or someone else says something that you really don't agree with and how to process it using the Bible. If you are senior at high school, you're a young adult, this could be the most valuable hours you've spent in your life to date. So I really encourage you to do it because it is a, it's a terrible statistic that's out there. And um, I'm not the right person to, to uh, teach around that. But Shane will be very good. And I've heard him teach on this subject and he was very, very helpful. So I encourage you to come to that. We're going to receive an offering there. But there's no charge on it because I just want you there. So that's on the 14th, Saturday the 14th of May. Well, we've had Wednesday gatherings going for the last two months, Wednesday night, and they've been exceptional, and I've got to say that I have personally really, really enjoyed them, but we've decided not to continue them. But what we're going to do instead is every Tuesday night at 7.30pm, we're going to pray together. And so we have our momentum prayer on the second Tuesday of every month. That's great. But then every other Tuesday now, we are going to gather together and pray. And I'm carrying a conviction that our prayer meeting should be the best attended meeting out of any of our meetings. You see, if I get a good speaker in, extra people will come to hear them. If I get to get a good band in, People will come out to hear them. Well, we're getting Jesus in to his church. He should get the biggest audience. Okay? And so we're going to, pray. We're going to start in the downstairs. We've just had to do the stats for our national, um, for Acts Churches, our national movement that we belong to. And if everybody turned up who was part of Acts Church Hamilton at one time in one place, we fill this building twice. Okay? We fill it twice over. So I'm not shooting too high to suggest that the prayer gathering should be the biggest gathering of the week. Of course, it's countercultural to consumer Christianity because you're coming to give. You're coming to get involved. You're coming to work. I think prayer is some of the hardest work of all. But you're coming to work. But can I encourage you, come and pray. Come and pray on Tuesday nights. It'll be awesome. In fact, I'm going to speak about prayer today, but we're going to pray first. So, Father, I ask that this morning we would have open hearts, open minds, that we would allow you to stir Holy Spirit inside of us, and that you would bring a shift, that you would, uh, you would move us from one place to another today, that every one of us in this room would leave in a different place than what we came into and that we would leave provoked by your Holy Spirit for some change. 
I speak to religious spirits in the name of Jesus. You've got no right to be in this meeting. And I command you to go in the name of Jesus Christ. And that ears and eyes and hearts in the spirit would be unblocked and released in Jesus' name to hear what you're saying to the church today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you're ready. Yes, Sheridan. Crikey. Well, I was in India a couple of weeks ago, as you know. And um, soon before I went to India, uh, I discovered that when you go to the pastor's conference there, you are taking it. You're one of the speakers. So I, I was told this a few days before out, so I'm racking my brain, well, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? And we later landed on a, on, on a theme as a group of people, but... I sent off an email to Pastor Wayne Swift, who is our overseeing minister, and said, you know, what's the plan? What would you like us to do? And he came back and he said, I suggest that you do not preach on prayer. I thought, why? He said, these guys will run rings around any of us on the subject of prayer. Best you stay away from it and preach on something else that we can help them on. Because in prayer... We need all the help from them we can get. This is their, their subject. So we came up with another subject. But I thought it was quite sad that here we are going to invest into this group of incredible people and go, oh, you know, don't pray on prayer because actually the facts of the matter are the Western church has dropped the ball on prayer. And the church in India and anywhere else over there, Asia could teach us a thing or two about praying. When you think that through, you go, not very good. When you think that through, you go, actually, that's quite a sad state of affairs. That the Western church has dropped the ball on prayer. I met this lady over there. Her name is Sangeeta. And um, she gave her testimony one night at the conference and I was incredibly moved by her testimony. So she, her and her husband went out to plant churches. And I'm, I'm sure someone said to me they've planted around 50 churches. She was there and she had a group of leaders with her at the conference. But she told some of their story. And this lady is a, a prayer. And as she told her story, I was incredibly moved by it because it was the first time I had seen an Indian lady um, at the front of a meeting, I've seen lots of Indian ladies at the front of meetings, but it's the first time I'd seen an Indian lady at the front of a meeting sobbing as she tried to talk. And this lady had incredible conviction of faith, but she also had a broken heart. And she told the story how her and her husband went out to plant churches and they went out and they went into a village and they went in kind of under the scene and they started to help that village and out of that they were able to share the gospel and as they shared the gospel they were able to plant churches and they started to plant churches and numbers of churches. But some of the higher caste members over there got upset with this and one day they beat her husband terribly. Broken bones, gave him a right good beating, left him for dead. He healed and he healed over time. And when he was well enough, they went back to doing what God had called them to do, and they carried on planting churches. 
Well, sometime later, her husband had a heart attack and died. Now, she was left with two little kids. She now has three, so I'm assuming that she was pregnant at the time that her husband died, but her husband passed away. He had a heart attack. They were right up in a hard-to-reach area, um, and, and he passed away. And this lady's sharing this testimony, and at this point she starts to really struggle, and her heart's on her sleeve, and you can see she's just heartbroken. She's lost the love of her life, yet she's still pursuing the call of God on her life. And she carries on, and she tells us how she continues to plant churches. And she's got this group of leaders around her there that are leading churches. Boy, I felt, I don't know what I felt. I was crawling inside my skin. I was incredibly moved just watching her and hearing what she said. It was all coming through a translator, of course. Hearing what she had to say. And she prayed incredibly passionately. And I thought, oh boy, if the church in the West, if the church in New Zealand had a fraction of the passion and the commitment to the call of God that this lady is displaying, our nation would be a different place. It was so convicting. So convicting. And moving. She laid down her life, surrendered her all for the call of God, for mission. I thought, we have it so easy here. I wonder if the fact that we have it too easy here really affects us. I met a couple, a family, in this very church a few years ago who shifted over from Saudi Arabia. And they came to New Zealand because they were being persecuted for their faith in Saudi Arabia. And they wanted to come to a place of peace a place where they could raise their family, a place where they could come and go without fear of being persecuted or beaten or anything else. And they came to New Zealand. They came to Hamilton. Six months after they got here, they told me they're going back to Saudi Arabia. I said, what? Why are you going back? They said, you know, it's terrible over there. There is persecution for your faith. It's black and white. It's terrible. But at least we know what we've got. It is so great here. We fear for the future of our children. So they took them back to that environment. Met them in this very church. The apathy, if we are not on our game, is going to be such a difficult obstacle to overcome in the church of New Zealand that we need to get on our game. We need to get up in faith, we need to step out in faith, and we need to take hold of what God's asked us to do. And this morning, I want to talk to us about building a house of prayer. It's been prophesied over us as a church twice now, two years running, that we are to build a house of prayer. The first time it was prophesied to us, and we, we got busy, and we changed the way we did a lot of things, and we thought we'd responded well to God on it. But when it came the second year, I didn't have that feeling of I'd just been scolded by God. She had the sense of, okay, you've responded, but I'm not asking you to go from here to here. I'm actually asking you to go from here and actually turn the culture of the church upside down. Build me a house of prayer. And so... I'm carrying this conviction, this burden 
that we've got to respond to God and we've got to respond to God in a big way. From my reading of the scriptures, the only measure of discipleship is obedience. And so we've got an opportunity here to be obedient to God. If you can find another measure of discipleship and mature discipleship in the scripture, other than, to be, other than obedience, please let me know because you'd be letting me off the hook. But it's the only one I can find. I've got a strong and a, and a weighty burden that God is saying, do this, and I'm, my response is, okay, we're going to do it. I'm not quite sure what that looks like. I'm not quite sure how will that will play out. But Jesus, we're going on this journey. And when I look at the church in the West, when I look at the church in New Zealand, when I look at the church in Hamilton, God has highlighted to me, as I've prayed and sought him on it, and believe me, I have been, that the state of our churches and the state of, this, of our church in this nation is a symptom of the lack of prayer in this nation. And I've always assumed that people who are passionate for God are praying. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's the case. So we're going to talk about that this morning. And you're very, very quiet. That's all right. I'm going to talk about it anyway. So Matthew 21. Luke 19 repeats this. Mark 11 repeats this. Matthew 21 verses 12 and 13 says this. Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out all of the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. This is a confronting scripture. He, he goes into the temple. The temple is the holy place. It's a sanctuary. It's the residence of God. It is where God dwells. He goes into this place and he says, my temple will be called a house of prayer. But instead I've walked through the doors and I've found a marketplace. He, it says, he began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. The word they're selling is literally bartering. And the word they're buying means marketplace. What you've got to understand is the temple, when you're outside the temple, he would have looked at it and it would have looked like the temple of God. It would have looked like the place that had been set aside for the worship of God. But the second he came through the doors, he was confronted with an entirely different scene. There was a racket going on here. People would come because they wanted to get right with God and they'd come to pray and they would come in with their animals to sacrifice. They would present their animals to the priests. But the priests were dirty. They were crooked. They would look at the animals and they would do anything they could to find a blemish that meant that animal was not up to scratch to sacrifice. Anything. But don't worry. We've got traders over here who can sell you an animal, a bird, for your sacrifice. So the people would go on and they would buy an animal off the preferred traders in the 
market in the the temple, which has become a marketplace. The picture, if you picture the scene, if you've ever been to an Eastern country or an Asian country or India or somewhere like that, and you go into a street market and it's just chaotic, it's buzzing, it's people, it's bustling, it's they want your money, the, the goods backwards and forwards, it's that kind of environment, but it's happening within the courts without the, the outer courts of the temple. Go through the, great, that, the gate. That's what Jesus is being confronted with. But it's okay. You can go and buy an animal over here. So they would pay four times the going rate for their sacrifice and just not only pay that, the temple used its own currency. So not only were they paying four times the going rate, over here they had to change their money with the money changers who were charging exorbitant rates and ripping them off. So they were paying, they were being exploited to come into the temple and to sacrifice. The whole thing, the den of thieves, you just see it start to paint out and you go, oh, I'm starting to understand what that's about. It was just a big ripoff. This very institution that was in place to help people connect with God was the had become corrupted and was keeping people away from God. You want to tick God off? Do that. Den of thieves. Den literally means cave or hidden place. Thieves literally means head of rebellion. And that's what was going on in this. It was hidden. It was underground. It was covert. It was dirty. It was ripping people off. It was exploiting people. I noticed that Jesus confronted them when he came through the gate because the place was set aside for God and for people to meet God and to connect with God, but it had become corrupted by evil. The very culture that God had put in place so that people would connect with him was the same culture that had been perverted and stopping people connect with him. That's always the result of religion. John 10.10, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that you'd have life and life in abundance. The result of religion always puts roadblocks in the way of people connecting with God. It's about relationship, not religion. It's about relationship. But genuine seekers would have looked on and they would have seen, they would have seen right through it. But there's this system here that they were stuck to. Interestingly, in verse 12, it talks specifically about the dove and that Jesus removed the the ones from their chairs selling doves. Well, the dove means a few things in Scripture, but the dove was the sacrifice for those who didn't have a lot of money. So they were being exploited to buy the dove. In other words, the poor were being exploited. God doesn't like that. He doesn't like anyone being exploited. But he doesn't like the poor being exploited. Another symbol of the, the, um, the dove is the Holy Spirit, isn't it? They're peddling this religion, peddling the Spirit, peddling God, instead of it being about relationship. Jesus was not impressed. He was not impressed at all. No exploitation of people. So he comes in, And he confronts the situation, and then he speaks truth into the situation. No, 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 this isn't happening. Confronts it quite aggressively. Now, my temple, 
my temple will be a house of prayer. He reestablishes truth. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out, it says, all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you've turned it into a den of thieves. All the outward appearance would have been good. You know, coming up to the temple from a distance, it, it would have looked good. It would have looked as things were or should have been. It would have looked good. It would have looked like the things that God put in place so that people could connect with him, so people could worship him, so people could pray with him. But the second he went through the doors, the gates, he was confronted with this entirely different scene. Things were not as they should have been. It was anything but godly. It was corrupt. So he said, build me a house of prayer. So the question this morning is, what does this mean for us today? What's it mean for us today? Can I make it more personal? What's God saying to you today? Build me a house of prayer. What's God saying to you today? I can hear. What do you mean what God's saying to me? He's talking about the church. It's evident. Why try to bring it back to me? He's talking about the... Oh, you thought it was about the church, did you? No, no, no. It's not about the church. He talks about the temple. He didn't mention the word the church once. He talks about the temple, went into the temple. My temple will be known. What is the temple of God? Us. 1 Corinthians 6.19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. I wonder this morning how many of us need God to confront and then deliver truth. I wonder how many of us this morning have got up, we got our best clothes on. This isn't comfortable, but it was never intended to be, so just hang in there. I wonder how many of us got up this morning, put on our nice clothes, put on our Sunday faces by all outward standards. The temple's looking pretty good, isn't it? It's looking fine. But then he walks through the gate. What on earth is he finding in here, in your head today? Have you got a marketplace going on in there? Where have you compromised the values of the kingdom? Where are you buying and selling, trying to... It's just what's portrayed on the outside and what's portrayed on the inside are two completely different things. Now, the good news is that's called sanctification. You just keep walking. You'll fix the inside as long as you keep walking. 
But I could say with a high degree of confidence that the picture that's portrayed is every single one of us in this room. I can tell you with high confidence that you might see a beautiful temple here, but you get in here some days, far out. Ray Andrews, who we have every couple of years here, psychologist, pastor, Irishman, great man. We did the personality profiles with him last time he was here. Jan and I spent some time with him, and he did my one. And he was talking to me afterwards, and he pointed at my head, and he said, Sheridan, he pointing at my head, and he goes, Oh, my Lord, he says, it's Star Wars in there. He's right. There's a marketplace going on in here. I find it incredibly hard to stay focused on one thing for any length of time. I've got all sorts of things going on. But my prayer is that what's going on in here is representative of what I portray on the outside. That the temple on the outside is no different than the temple on the inside. It's put aside for God's purposes. It's put aside to connect with God, to journey with God. What's going on in your head this morning? How many of our internal lives are quite different to the external life that we portray? The good news is that this is what the invitation of the gospel is about. This is what the process of discipleship is about. This is what the fruit of a house of prayer is about. This is the purpose of mission. Is that as we walk with God and continually submit ourselves to God and keep walking, the inside is going to change. Slowly but surely, the inside is being reformed. It has been brought into the image of God. So in one sense this morning, I feel carrying a real conviction around this to confront you. And I don't want to let you off the hook because I'm not let off the hook. I'm hanging. God's saying something very significant. But at the same time, I want to encourage you that as we journey with him, this is the invitation of the gospel. He brings things into order. He brings our lives into order. As we allow him to renew our mind, he brings our lives into order. The inside can look like the outside. And when we fall over and make a mess, we go again, and we go again, and we go again, and we go again. But this, I believe, we cannot get the inside in order without a strong prayer life. He says, build me a house of prayer. My temple will be known as a house of prayer. Prayer will bring the line. Prayer will tidy things up. We need to build a house of prayer. See, when you look at, I always had this belief that, um, I think I said earlier, that, that Christians who are passionate about God, just they pray. I took that for granted. Well, I now have a strong conviction that that's not the case, that people aren't praying. Shall I personalize it? No. People aren't praying. Because if people were praying, our churches in our country would look entirely different to what they look. 
because God would be at work. I look at what we do as a church. I'm so encouraged by it. We've got ATC. It's phenomenal what ATC is doing in our country around education. I look at Community Link. It's, it's amazing what Community Link's doing in our city and beyond, and it's growing like a mushroom. It's absolutely amazing. Wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. I'm assuming that you're doing that out where you are, but I can tell you without a, with, a, with no doubt whatsoever that if we're trying to do that without a foundation of prayer, all we would get is hard work. If you're trying to be wherever, whenever, like Jesus, without a foundation of prayer, it is just going to be hard work. But if we've got a foundation of prayer, we'll start to see the supernatural results of God. If we've got a foundation of prayer, the fruit will show it. I was incredibly challenged when I was in India because I sat with the founder of Impart Ministries for three afternoons, and he challenged us. And he said, I've got the statistics of the church, he said, Australia. It'll be the same in New Zealand. Of the Australian church. And he said, you guys overall are regressing. Yet, the West wants to tell us how to do it. He said, why would we go to the West for help when it's not working? Now, he's got right to say that. They've planted 20,000 churches so far with the goal of 100,000 by 2030, and they're on target. You go, actually, they're doing something right, and the Western church isn't. What isn't the rest of the Western church doing? I believe we are not praying. And that's why God has come to us, and he has said not once, but twice, create, build a house of prayer. And I don't know about you, but I find prayer the hardest work. I am very good at having conversational prayer with God all day. And that's effective, I believe. And I do that, it's just the way I live. I have a conversational prayer with God all day, every day. I love that. But sitting down in one place and staying focused and praying into something until I feel it has shifted, that has got to be the hardest work commissioned to mankind. But it doesn't mean... I get let off the hook. It means I've got to discipline myself to do it. And if God is going to build a house of prayer, it involves that. I've just resurrected over recent times my prayer list, which is hideous trying to stay to a list. But I'm going to do it. I am going to do it. Not instead of, but as well as. Because I absolutely believe that the culture of prayer in a church is the overflow of our individual prayer lives. So we go, how come when we have our um, corporate prayer meetings, it's always terribly attended? Now, if you come to it regularly, good on you, thank you. Champions. But why is it generally so terribly attended? I'll tell you why. Because prayer's not happening. There's no overflow to bring into a corporate prayer environment. Where if prayer is happening, prayer is one of those things that as you pray, you get more hungry for prayer. You spend more time in the presence of God. You don't get worn out. You want more time in the presence of God. Prayer is the same. So my temple will be called a house of prayer is an invitation to every one of us. And then as our temples become houses of prayer, you watch the overflow of that come into the corporate culture of church 
and you watch what God does. Because we'll still work hard, but you watch the supernatural outwork of God go to an entirely different level than what we've experienced before. I've heard the prophecies of what God said over us as a church. I've, I've spent time praying into them. I've spent hours looking, praying, God, how's this going to happen? What do you want us to do? This is the answer right here. You think I've been pushing it hard? You think I've been serious? I am being serious because I think today we can put a marker in the sand which will change the destiny of Activate Church Hamilton. But we've got to respond. You're not responding to me. You've got to respond to God. Build a temple. My temple will be known as a house of prayer. Okay, God, take me on that journey, whatever it looks like. When I first was preparing for today and thinking it through, I thought, oh, man, it's like the whole Laodicea thing in Revelations. You are neither hot nor cold, so I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. But then the more I thought about that, I thought, no, it's not that. It's not that. And I was reading through Revelations and God brought to my mind, I thought, you know, it's more a case of the church of Sardis. And to them he said, and I'm going to go off the script a little bit, so if you're following in your Bible, Revelation chapter 2, I will leave it. He says, I know all the things you do, and that you have a reputation of being alive. You've got this ministry in the community. You're doing this with global missions. Wherever, whenever with Jesus, be like Jesus. You've got flashing lights. You've got a nice building. You've got good sound. People think you're alive. But you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains. For even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly, unexpected as a thief. I think this is more a case of what the church is in New Zealand. We think we're doing good. How do we measure church? Well, throughout the country. You know, whether you're part of a good church or not, generally measured by how many people are attending and anything else. Can I suggest that God has a completely different measure? And it's about those who are engaged with him, those who have, a, have built their temple to be a house of prayer. Those who are on fire for God. I don't think he cares how many of us are sitting in the pews if it's dead. He wants a church that's going to change the country. We could be that church. Why not, I ask myself? Why not? Why not? Some people might ask why. I would ask why not. The early church in the book of Acts said, And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, which is the word cornea, um, and is, is about intimacy, like a family working together. So they all devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to sharing meals. When's the last time you had someone in your house for a meal? Including the Lord's Supper. And to prayer. So prayer is one of the top four here of what the church looked like in Acts as it was birthed and passionate and changing the world. I find that quite exciting. Yet at the same time, it is the hardest work. It's not easy, but we've just got to keep going and keep going 
and keep going. I, I believe that if we can get hold of this and do what God's asking us to do, we're going to see a radical shift. We will see a radical shift in the spiritual temperature, not only in our church, but in our city. Discipleship is measured by obedience. My temple will be known as a house of prayer. It's an invitation to every one of us in this room to build what God's asking us to build. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Romans 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Psalm 145. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Matthew 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. James 1.6, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. 1 John 5, and if you know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what he asked of him. And I could go on and on and on. The scriptures that tell us to pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. And on and on it goes. This is the invitation of God for us. Build me a house of prayer. Of course, when I started to process all of this, I thought, well, Lord, what are you asking? We put a prayer meeting every night of the week. What are we doing? No, that's not what it's about. You've got to hear the heart that he's asking us with. He's not talking about a prayer meeting. He's talking about the temple. And as the temple becomes a house of prayer, it will overflow into a significant change of prayer culture within the church. Jesus confronts, and then he speaks the truth. He realigns things to the way they need to be. I hope you hear Jesus is speaking and then he gives us an invitation. Come on. Come on. Build this with me. Let's realign. Let's repent. Turn. Walk the other way. Let's realign. Let's build this together. Let's build you into a temple of prayer. Let's build a house of prayer. Let's do it together. Can you hear the heart of God in it? You look like stunned mullets. I haven't held back on purpose because I'm really carrying a weight of God around this that he wants to change some stuff and we don't change stuff when we feel comfortable. The family I told you about took their children back to Saudi Arabia to a dangerous place 
because they saw the apathy and the comfort of New Zealand and were more concerned that was going to about their children's eternal future in this environment than in an environment of persecution. So we can walk out this morning, we can do whatever we want. Oh, well, flip. He was a bit wound up this morning, wasn't he? Obviously he had something bad to eat last night. Or we can walk out this morning and go, my goodness, God's saying something to this church and I've got to respond. God is saying something to us and I've got to respond. God is calling to us to something. I've got to respond. And I, you can sit down and start praying three hours a day if you like, but you won't last. Why don't you just start and just build the culture into your life? Build the culture in. You know, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're not walking with him, you might be sitting there going far out. That was a bit tough. But the whole deal with God is he went, Jesus went to a cross. He died on a cross in order that we can have relationship with him. Prayer is all about relationship with him. He hung on a cross, died. Three days later, he was raised from dead to life. And the whole deal was so we can pray because prayer is relationship. So we can walk with him. So we can communicate with him. So we can talk to him about the worries of our day. So we can hear what he's saying, what his opinion is on different things. And the invitation of God to each one of us is to walk life with him in this relationship. So if we drop prayer, if we're not praying, if we're not building in prayer, Oh boy, we've minimized the work of the cross because that was one of the purposes so we could communicate. Interestingly, in the book of Acts, it's one of the four things that's mentioned there that the church was doing. If prayer's one of the top four, you've got to ask if we're even disciples of Christ if we're not building a solid prayer life. But that's another issue. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you've walked with him but for whatever reason you've stepped right back, Today, can I implore you to get connected to Jesus? Can I encourage you to take hold of your life, wherever it is? It doesn't phase God where your life's at. It could be a complete and utter mess, or it could be a total success. But get your life connected with Jesus and then start the journey. It's an invitation. He'll make change and he'll clean stuff up as you go. But you don't have to do any of that beforehand. you just got to say, Jesus, I want to be in relationship with you. I see that I need to be in relationship with you. Can I ask you to bow your heads just for a moment, please? This morning, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in a minute if you're saying, Jesus, I need to be in relationship with you today. You're saying, Jesus, I'm going to step out from where I am and I'm saying, I choose you. I choose to walk with you. You may be saying, Jesus, I've walked with you at one point. I've come way, way back. But I want to step up to the plate and walk again. If you're saying that this morning, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in just a moment. You're not responding to me. You're lifting your hand to Jesus saying, Jesus, we're pushing the go button. Might be the restart button. But we're pushing the go button on this relationship with you. And I'm going to start walking with your help understanding that I've made I don't come up to, to speed and you're as 
mistakes in my life. But knowing that you've paid the price to put those right and you can walk in and walk with him with great confidence. This morning, if you want to say yes to Jesus, can I ask you to lift your hand now so I can see it, please? Just make sure I see your hand. Thanks, guys. It's great. Make sure I see your hand, please. Then you can pop it down again. It's great. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That's awesome. Fantastic. Father, I ask that you would captivate our hearts today. Lord, that people would hear today as an invitation, not as a command. But that we'd respond to you with all of our hearts. That we would go on this journey. That we would be obedient to your call. I thank you that you care enough about us to speak to us so clearly and ask us to build a house of prayer. And I pray that our response to you is favorable, that it is honorable, that it is thank you for making yourself clear. Yes, I will pursue you with all I have. And when I make a mess of it, Lord, I thank you that you're there to pick me up again and again and again and again and again. Build the church you want to build. Build the temple. Each of us. For your sake. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me leave you with a final thought for you to take home. Jesus, sorry I'm late. Work was crazy today. No, don't get up. It's okay. Uh, yeah, just got a little bit behind. People are being crazy, you know. That's no problem, Chuck. I'm just glad. No, I'm glad I made it too. Listen, let's get down to business. I have a lot of work here. A lot of requests. First things first, pastor and his wife are at a conference. Keep them safe. Um, I'm not a fan of the assistant pastor. The less he preaches, the better. Uh, what else? Ralph, his wife, is getting a tattoo removed. It's a stupid college party way back when. You know how those things go. It's in a real painful spot. I'm not a fan of football here, but my friend is. And if I could have two tickets to take him to show him how cool I am so he'd be my friend some more, that'd be great. My dog Nibbles has a gimp leg. Chimney crickets. You know, now that I'm thinking, I could use a new jacket. I'm getting fuzzies all in this one. Please bless my sister, my mother, my father. Our father who art in heaven. My neighbor, Cindy. Hallowed be thy name. Can you sort of train my church to clap on two and four, please? One and three, this is not disco, people. This is serving the Lord. The guy who brings in my shopping cart from the thing. Something I can do to get a raise. Can you read what I wrote here? I think I was, I was dreaming. Plus the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Agriculture, the Secretary of Secretaries. Bless their secretaries. Thy kingdom, thy kingdom come. And that's what bothers me about my mother. Hey, look at the time there. That's, uh, uh got to get going there. Jesus going to wrap this up and say amen. Amen. Uh, it's been a pleasure praying with you. 
It's fine. Evening. I'll be talking with you. Have a good day. Food for thought. We need to listen too, don't we? When we pray, don't forget to listen because he wants to speak, speak to us, not just drink his coffee. Well, challenging, isn't it? We need to take up the challenge, don't we? Yes, we need to take up the challenge. I want to pray, but I, I also want to sing to finish. It'd be fantastic to, to sing to finish. Um, but also, I thank you, church, for your giving. Thank you for your giving. Um, and, and remind you that our giving stations are on the left as you exit the auditorium. Also, if you are here for the first time today, it's been great to have you with us at Activate Church. We do have some guest bags for you on the right as you exit out into the foyer. So please pick up a guest bag and uh, we'd love to get to know you a little more. So if you'd like to fill out the card inside and pop it into the giving box, that would be great. And we'll, we'll be in touch with you. Well, God, I thank you for the challenging word for us, God. And I thank you that you have confronted us. I thank you that you care enough about us to confront us and to speak truth to us. And God, I thank you that you are with us always. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you strengthen us and that you help us on our journey. And so I ask help, God, help us to respond to you individually and as a church. Help us to uh, take up what you are asking us to take up. Help us to become that house of prayer individually and corporately. Help us to be a people that are known in our community, in our city, as a people of prayer. Help us to be known in the nation and in the nations as a people of prayer. Thank you, God, for what you want to do through us as we partner with you in prayer. Thank you, God, for what you have in store. May we enter into that. May we, may we um, be on the edge of our seats as we step into that together. Thank you, God. Pour out your blessing and your strengthening upon your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like anyone to stand with you in prayer, as we finish, then please don't hesitate to come up the front. We've got a great team who would love to stand and pray with you this morning. How about we stand and we're going to sing to finish. Also, Sheridan is speaking tonight, 6pm. It's going to be fantastic.
their suite. Apparently prayer and pray was said about 103 or 85 times. Any more takes on that? Come and see me. Thank you.